We talked last week about the announcement of the king, the announcement of the coming Messiah, and we looked at the angel's proclamation to Mary, the angel's proclamation to Joseph, uh, but then really talked about the fact that this wasn't really the first time that God revealed that the Messiah was coming, and we looked at some references through the Old Testament um, that, that showed there was a Messiah coming, and that, in fact, it was Jesus. And so this morning, we didn't really look at this last week, we didn't have time for it, but we want to look this morning at what was the reaction and what was the response of those who heard that a king was coming, that the Messiah was coming. And we, um, uh, Sarah invited some of Nate and Court's friends over for dinner on Friday night. So I got this news that we were, that company was coming over, and so... Uh, throughout the week, preparations took place, and so Sarah planned the menu. Um, I went to I, I went to Walmart and got the groceries. Um, you know, we, we were getting ready. We knew someone was coming, and we wanted to be ready for them. And I don't know about how many of you men you look around your house and you think the house is clean, right? Until company's coming. <laughs> And so we were all enlisted in this, this cleanup job of, of getting the place ready for, for the guests. And so um, there's preparations that take place when you know somebody's coming. So that's what we want to look at this morning. What did, what did Mary Joseph, what did, um, what did the wise men, what did even King Herod do in response to this news that the Messiah was coming, that a king was coming? And so we are going to look um, in a few passages this morning. You can turn to Luke chapter 1. That's the first passage we'll be in. I'm going to pray and we're going to uh, read the word together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son. We, we look back on the, the, the arrival of Jesus on earth in, in the form of a baby. And uh, we're just in awe and wonder that, that you would send your son, that he would be willing to come. And Lord, we're thankful for what he eventually did for us on the cross. And Lord, as we celebrate that this morning, we want to um, just take a few minutes to think about how we should respond to this idea that uh, a Savior has come. How does that affect our life today? Uh, Lord, would you just guide us through your word this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 26, we We read some of these verses last week, and we'll read some more this morning. But it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, Somebody, somebody told me this week, you know, you were talking about the angel, and you have over your shoulder, like, the angel with the blue sash, and the wings, and the trumpet. Was that what they looked like? Probably not. And we don't really know. Was, it, was, was Gabriel glowing? Was he floating in the air? Did he walk through the door? Did he come through the wall? We don't know. But whatever, however he arrived... Uh, it was troubling for Mary. She was concerned, perplexed. She didn't really know what, what was going on. Uh, she, didn't, she, she was greeted. She didn't know what, what was coming. So the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Amazing uh, that, that the angel would come to Mary and say, God's plan of redemption is happening. You will conceive, you will uh, bear a son, he will be the Messiah, he will... Um, well, the angel tells Joseph he'll save his people from his sin, but he'll sit on the throne of David, reign over the house of Jacob forever. Amazing proclamation to, to Mary. And so let's see what Mary's response was. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? Now, I don't think this was Mary um, doubting, Mary thinking, no, this probably is not going to happen. Think of Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah heard the angel talking to Abraham, and she kind of laughed. I don't think this is the response that Mary's giving. I think it's a genuine question. Well, how's that? How, how can that be? Um, and so the angel has, a, has an answer for her. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. The angel said, it's going to be a miracle. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you will conceive, and you will call this, this child you bear the Son of God. He will be holy, the Son of God. So the angel continued, more information. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month, which... This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Elizabeth had no children. They said she was too old. The angel says to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. All right, so here's Mary's response. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a response from Mary to this angel. The angel came in and Mary was troubled. She was perplexed. She was like, what's going on? Who are you? How'd you get here? And then the angel had this message for Mary. One question. How's that going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to take care of it for you. Don't worry. And Mary says, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The, this, when Mary says, I am... Uh, the servant of the Lord. We looked at this word uh, doulos a couple weeks ago when we were in in 1 Peter, and we talked about the different ways this word translated servant, sometimes translated bondservant. It's the Greek word doulos. And um, we have a word that we use that's very similar, doula. And what does a doula do? She serves the mother while the mother gives birth. And so this word doulos, it's a strong word. It's a strong word for, of servitude. Um, and it really indicates that the, the servant has given up their will, and their will is only the will of the master. They have no will of their own. They are just completely in subjection to the master. And so Mary says, this is Mary's response. I have no will of my own. I am the Lord's. If that's what he says, then that's what I'll do. And as, as parents, isn't that what we're looking for in our kids? Right, Suzanne? I got a name in from Suzanne. Right, when Suzanne says, all right, Hunter, need you to help clean up dishes tonight. We, you know, we clean up, let's get the food put away. We're going to put it up. What does she want from Hunter? Okay, Mom, if you said it, I'll be glad to. Right? 
Jennifer, when you say, Gabby, your room's a mess. It's time to clean it up. What are you looking for? No problem, Mom. You want me to do it? I'll do it. Right? That's the kind of obedience God is looking for from us. That's the obedience that Mary had when God said, I've got something, I ha- I've got something for you. And she said, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. God is looking for the same obedience in us when we, when we read um, that we should pray for those who persecute you. We're supposed to say, okay, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. Children, obey your parents. Love one another. Okay, Lord, you said it, then I'll do it. That's the response that God's looking for us when we either read a truth in his word or we sense his prompting in, in our spirit. He wants that obedience from us, just like we see from Mary. So the question is, well, what does it take to have obedience like that? Like we read this from Mary and we think, well, that's, that's great, but that's, how, do we, how do we get that in our life? Well, when we went to Haiti in 2016, one of the, the town that we were serving in, there was a ministry there. It was called Faith and Action Ministries. And this was a group of men and women. They had nothing. Very little to no material possessions, no running water. Like we're talking about a small town. There's a, co- a community well that they use, community latrines over here on this side of town. Like it was just, there was nothing in, in the town. But this organization believed that God had them to be ministering to their uh, fellow community members. And so despite the, the almost nothing that they had, they were devoted to serving the Lord, trusting that if God had something for them to do, then he would provide the means for them to do it. And so their, their ministry was called Faith and Action. They had faith, and because of their faith, they would take action. And I think this is what Mary, this is how Mary comes to this response, because in verse 37, right before Mary's response, Gabriel's closing statement was, for nothing will be impossible with God. I believe that Mary believed that. The angel told her that, and Mary believed that nothing was impossible with God. You want to know how Mary can say, okay, God, if that's what you say, I'll do it. Let it be unto me as you said it, because she believed that nothing would be impossible with God. It's... uh, now, we know Jesus was perfect, but we also know that Mary would have raised him and taught him. And you could say, well, Mary must have taught him well. No, he's perfect. But in Jesus' prayer that he taught his disciples, what did he say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus was all about what, whatever God had for him, Jesus was willing to do all the way to the cross. So Mary believed that nothing was impossible with God. The question for us this morning is, do we believe it? And if we believe it, are we willing to say to God, no matter what the circumstance, if that's what you're asking me to do, then I'll do it. Because that's what he has for us this morning as well. All right, let's look at Joseph's reaction. We're going to have to shift to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, verses 18 through 25. And some of these, again, we read last week. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So they were betrothed, which is an engagement period, but it was much more serious than our engagement period. If a, if a young man and woman were betrothed, it would require a divorce for them to become separated. And so Joseph found that Mary was pregnant. He knew it wasn't because of him. And so uh, it says her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He said, I'll just take care of it. Uh, but an angel came to him. He was considering these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Assurance from God that what Mary was saying was true. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, just an amazing proclamation from the angel to Joseph that this child would be the Son of God. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here's uh, Joseph's response. When When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So simple, right? God told him what to do in the dream. Joseph woke up and he did it. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is our introduction to Joseph. We don't know a whole lot about him, but he he seemed to be, it says here that he was a just man. He was engaged to Mary, who by all accounts was a godly woman, and finds out that his fiancée is pregnant, not by him. And so the angel comes, says, look, this is your Mary has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, you take this, this baby to be born. He'll be your son. You'll call him Jesus. And Joseph says, okay, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. Now, as, as I read through the scripture, I think it's a good habit to do. I do it. I think probably most of you do it. You ask yourself the question, why? Like, why did that happen? Why did they do that? Why did they think that way? So, the decision to um, obey is, is a simple decision, but we, as we go through the Bible, we read so many accounts when people decided they weren't going to obey. And so, like a few examples, why didn't Abraham just trust God? God said that he would be the father of many. Why didn't he just trust God? Why did he have to get Hagar, uh, Sarah's um, servant involved in it. He took matters into his own hand. When I think of Moses, God told him to speak to the rock and water would come out of it. Why did he strike the rock? Why didn't he just speak to it like God said? Uh, the story of Gideon. God told him he was going to defeat the Midianites through him. And Gideon was like, oh, I don't know about this. So he laid out the fleece. And I'm thinking to myself, you lay out the fleece, you get the answer you're asking for. Why wasn't that enough? Why did he have to ask for a second time? Why did Ananias and Sapphira, they did a good thing. They sold property and they gave the money to the church. Why did they have to lie about how much money it was? And why do we have Joseph? God told him to do something, so he did it. Like we have all these long stories and accounts of these people, you know, messing up, doubting God, not being sure. And then like one sentence of, of Joseph, God told him to take Mary as his wife. And so he did it. 
It almost seems too simple, right? Now, here's the thing. The decision to obey is a simple decision. You just have to say, if that's what the word says, I'll do it. If that's what God prompts me to do, then I'll do it. Now, carrying out the decision, that can take great courage sometimes. It can mean difficult conversations. Maybe it ends up with a misunderstanding. Sometimes you have to persevere through doubt. But the decision to obey is a simple one. And God asks us to trust him in faith. Can we take God at his word? The angel said to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. So if God asks us to do something, do we believe that he can do it? To me, that's what it boils down to. The Nike slogan is just do it. Right, just do it. So if God asks us to do something, then let's, let's do it. But it can be difficult to carry those things out. Luke, two, or excuse me, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, The one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. When I was younger, I had this dream. I wanted to serve the Lord, and I had a plan of how it was going to happen. I was going to become a businessman, and I was going to get rich. And then with all my extra money, I was going to give to the Lord's ministry so that God could do things through the money that I earned. You could laugh at me. That's okay. (laughs) If we want to be used by God to do great things, then we start with just the little things. Talking to the neighbor. Raising your children up in church in the ways of the Lord. Just the little things that God's asked when we are faithful in those things, then he will give us bigger things to deal with. Mary and Joseph, simple obedience in response to what God had for them. Okay, the wise men in Herod, in Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at this in verse 1. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're asking Herod. For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. It's a good response. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Notice that Herod identifies this king that the wise men are looking for as the Christ, as the Messiah. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So here's here's their response. When they saw the star, it was over where the child was, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There's some emphasis here in this statement. They didn't just rejoice, they found where the star was, where the child was. They rejoiced exceedingly with joy, with great joy. They were thrilled that they had found the king that they were looking for, that they had found Jesus. 
And there's like Christmas time, right? You get together, family, friends, and a lot of times you see people that you haven't seen in a while. And when you, when you meet, especially an old friend or a family member, you haven't seen them in a while, missionaries overseas coming home, there is joy and exuberance and great joy or exceeding rejoicing when you see someone, right? There's, there's an excitement when you see them. It's not like when you go to work tomorrow morning and you're like, hey guys, how's it going? How's the weekend? You know, there's excitement that this king had arrived and this was their response. It was the right response. And that's one of the reasons why we sing songs of worship in church on Sunday. It helps us to realize and to recognize the the types of responses that we should have to God. It speaks of the truth of who he is and then our response to that truth. We don't, it becomes routine. Yeah, Jesus is my savior. He's with me every day. Sometimes we got to snap out of that and just think he's, he's my savior. He's with me every day. And the response should be that of joy and that of worship. And so that's what we see here from the wise men. They know that Jesus is worthy. They were looking for Jesus, and they found him. But my, I, my question is, what are we looking for this Christmas season? Time with friends, time with family, Christmas presents, that elusive vacuum is still sold out. I don't know what to do. <laughs> what, what are we looking for this Christmas season? Is it Jesus? We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We've got the manger here to remind us. We're looking at our Savior, at our Redeemer. Wednesday night we were talking about he was our rescuer. And when we, when we recognize that, then we should be joyful. We should be ready to worship. We should be ready to praise. We should be, have a desire to make his name great. So this, let's, let's continue looking here at the wise men. What's their response? Going into into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. They knew he was the son of God. This This is the correct response to God. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, as a, as a pastor here at the church, I kind of get a little bit of an inside look sometimes, and it's just, it's amazing, it's humbling to see the generosity of God's people when it comes to the work of the Lord. And uh, the Thanksgiving blessings meal that we just did, almost, a, almost 1,900 meals that we served to the community. I say we, 13 churches together. That's out of the generosity of, of people wanting to uh, serve others and to share the love of Christ. When I, over here at the Hope Center, um, so many of you donated towards that project. And a couple of months ago, somebody familiar with the ministry said, I know you guys need more freezer space. You need more walk-in cooler space. I would like to donate a walk-in cooler freezer. Not a kitchen refrigerator, a walk-in cooler freezer. And, and when you leave today, look across the street. It's, been, it's installed, it's running. Uh, we've got to get a roof over it still. But the generosity of God's people for the work of the ministry. This week, Kirby came to me. And he said, hey, Jeff, we've got to buy shelves for that walk-in cooler freezer. Did you know it didn't come with shelves? I said, oh, I didn't know that. And so it's a big, it's a big unit. And so he's got a, a, a list of things that he needs. And so we, we're talking about you know, how we're going to go about getting these. 
before the morning was out, somebody had called me and they said, hey, I'd like to make a donation to the, the Hope Center that you guys have over there. I hear you need some shelves. How much is it going to cost? Send me the invoice and I'll pay for it. The obedience to, to, to give when the Lord prompts. Um, it, I, I could just go on. This past week, two families received a good-used vehicle uh, that we just helped to facilitate because God's people, being sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, wanting to give to a family with a need. You'll see uh, in the spring, we'll pave over there at the Hope Center because somebody called and said, I would like to make a donation to have that parking lot paved. And, and you guys know we've paved a bunch over here in the last few years, all through unsolicited donations. Hey, I know this the gravel's doing a job on the floor there in the FLC. Let's, let's get some paving done. The generosity that comes out of a proper understanding of who God is, what he's done for us, with the desire to see that happen in other people's lives. I think of our Canal Lake Bible Camp. 450 kids get a free week of camp, not out of the church's budget, but out of giving above and beyond the church's budget. So you say, okay, but we're just having a hard time getting groceries this week, Pastor Jeff. What Mary and Joseph gave is the same thing that the wise men gave. They gave their obedience. For Mary and Joseph, it meant they were going to raise the Son of God in their home. For the wise men, they were men of means, and they could bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh as expensive gifts that Mary and Joseph probably paid for their trip to Egypt with. Not that they were on vacation. They gave the same thing, though. It was their obedience to what God was asking them to do. Parents, the greatest gift you could give your children is to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. All believers were called to offer our lives as living sacrifices, as a reasonable act of service, as bondservants to the Lord. What we bring to the Lord might be different, but the question is, what are we bringing to the Lord this Christmas season? Gifts are like the... the it, it, everybody's talking about gifts. What you're getting or what you're giving. What are we giving to the Lord this Christmas season? Great example here, Mary and Joseph, through their willingness to obey. The wise men, essentially, just willing to obey. This was through the, the gift that they were able to give, their worship that they gave to Jesus. Herod, not so great. Let's look. Uh, next verse in 13. Now, when they had departed, this is the wise men, leaving Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for this child to destroy him. This is Herod's response to the coming Messiah. So Joseph rose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. 
Why was Herod's response so different? Like he was there with the wise men. They were figuring out when did the star appear? This was the Messiah. Where was the Messiah supposed to be born? All right, you go see him and let me know where he is. The, the wise men went to worship and bring gifts. Herod went to kill and destroy. We know that Herod was kind of in a difficult position as the king of the Jews. He was an Edomite. He was actually a descendant of Esau. He had his power because he was given it by Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor. So he had a bunch of people that he was trying to keep happy. And history would tell us that he killed several of his sons. I believe he killed one of his wives. He was paranoid about who would follow him on the throne. And so this leads to this uh, killing of the, the, the male children, two years old or younger. But ultimately, he missed the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, he knew it because he referred to Jesus as the Christ. He knew that Jesus was born. He knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but he rejected him. What keeps people from missing Jesus today? Why do people reject Jesus as their Savior? As believers, why do we miss out on what God has for us? This is an easy time of year to get caught up in a lot of things. I'm going to just mention three things that keep us uh, from what God has for us. Why do we miss what God has for us? One of it is pride. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All of his thoughts are, there is no God. I don't need God. Now, that's essentially what the unbeliever is saying when they reject Jesus. They say, they're saying, I don't need a Savior. I'm okay on my own. And they're wrong, but that is the belief. And you say, well, as a, as a Christian, I, I would never say, I don't need God. Of course I need God. But do we ever say, well, I can figure this out on my own? And if we can figure it out on our own, then we, we don't need God. And we don't do that intentionally, right? But in, through our actions and our thinking, we just, sometimes we just push God to the side and say, I got this. We're, I'm okay with this one. Misplaced love would be another one. 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 1 here says, Understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People's, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I don't have time for God right now. I've got a lot of things I want to get done first. And then, then I'll get right with God. Then I'll do the things of God. I've still got young people that's a lie from Satan. We need to love God first. To say, I've got things I want to do and then I'll get to that is a trap that we can too easily fall into. For the unbeliever, it might be ignorance that keeps them from the Messiah. In Ephesians it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you, must not know, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Again, speaking of the unbeliever, we have people, despite the fact that we live in Blairsville, Georgia, in the Bible Belt, and there's Christmas carols on the radio, 24-7, there are people that need to hear the good news of the gospel right here in our community. There are people who have heard it, and like Herod, they know he's Jesus, they know he's the Son of God, they know he died on the cross, but for some reason they're still rejecting him. As believers, we get caught up in the season, and we have too many things to do, and we just kind of push God to the side. Whether it's the Christmas season, or it's the spring season, or it's the summer season, there's always a reason. So the question is, what will our response be this morning to the baby in the manger? Mary and Joseph, their response was, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. Simple obedience. The wise men, their response was a response of worship, of wonder and awe, that he, would, he is the Savior. He came to save us. He came to redeem us. He came to restore us. And rightly, they worshiped him, and they gave their gifts to him. Are we looking to, to get or to give during the Christmas season? Are we willing just to incorporate simple obedience to God's truth in our lives? Let it be according to your word. Or more like Herod. I've heard that. I don't need that. I'm actually going to do what I can to push that aside. You guys are here this morning. We're here to worship. We have worshiped. We're learning God's word together. And I, I, this has gotten heavy, and I didn't want it to be heavy. I wanted it to be a, a, good, Christ, a good Christmas message. But maybe we just need to be reminded of what Christmas is all about. And the, the family gatherings and the Christmas presents, it's all um, helping to point us to our Savior, who did amazing things for us, things that we're so thankful for, that are worth celebrating, that they are worth telling other people about. God loves us so much that he sent his son, who was born in a manger. Jesus loved us so much he was willing to come and to live a perfect life and then die on the cross. I believe God is reminding us this morning that there is nothing impossible with him. And when he asks us to do something, it's because through the power of his spirit in us, it can be done. And so he's asking us just to say yes. If that's what you have for me, God, then yes, I'll do it. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we do have so much to be thankful for that you would come to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. That while we were still sinners, you died for us. Lord, uh, so thankful for that this morning. We worship you this morning because you did that for us. Um, Lord, we worship you this morning because we want to be excited about what you've done for us so much that we would tell others about what you've done for us and what you did for them. Lord, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season, at the forefront of our minds would be the fact that you were not just a baby, but you were our Savior. You were our Redeemer. You have restored us. You've given us new life. 
And Lord, that certainly is something to celebrate. So Lord, I pray that as we um, are excited about all those things, that in our hearts we would have the correct response of obedience, the correct response of, uh, just like Mary, saying, I am your servant, Lord. Let it be unto me according to your will. Lord, would that be the prayer of our heart this morning as we leave, that we would just trust you and obey to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness in so many ways. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.